Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Joining us today in studio is Andrew Medina, your new brand and community coordinator in supporter relations for LAFC. Thank you so much for making the trip out to the Valley and joining us. Hey, I like the intro. That was very smooth, very well put together. You made me seem like I'm a much cooler guy than I actually am. I appreciate that. That's why we have Jonathan do it. Yeah. <laughs> I messed it up. Super smooth. I like it. It's always one take, too, which is impressive. You know, I've done a podcast for a very long time myself, so I yeah, it's, oh, really? it's not as easy about? as it looks. No, um, yeah. I mean, we, we, I've heard some yeah, of it, yeah. but you could talk about it if yeah, you want Yeah, when I would work with Kicks of the Pitch, we were a soccer, more of a lifestyle agency, but we did a lot of, like, a big media outlet also, but... Primarily, we would talk about soccer and fashion. And do you still do that? No, I had to kind of stop because of because of the new gig. Gotcha. Yeah. You can't have. I, can't, you can't <laughs> I have was. I was, too. I was very opinionated on that, and I was very like loose and free flowing. So I had to kind of chill out. Yeah, but now you know, super happy working in soccer. So. Wow. Well, you're, you're influencing the culture in a different way. Uh, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, so far, oh, so dude, so far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to dive into that story and many more when we get into the interview here in a minute. However. We do feel it's appropriate at the beginning of the show to take a moment to address, once again, back-to-back episodes in which we have an absolute tragic event take place within the community. And certainly the entire Los Angeles community, it seems, is really feeling the tragic loss of Kobe and eight other people in a helicopter accident earlier this week. We'd be remiss of us not to at least mention how much that has affected us here at the show and certainly the community as a whole. You know, I have to say just, you know, being in a customer-facing job, so many people I've seen that have come in that are just distraught. Um, This has really seemed to have touched the community in a very powerful way. It's a very sad thing, but it's also been a very unifying thing to see so many different people in so many different walks of life coming together to share in our appreciation for an amazing human being and, and certainly our sadness over his passing. And as much as we would love to dive into that subject and we might take a moment to sort of briefly share some of our own Kobe stories. If you haven't had a chance to listen to this week's episode of Heart of LAFC, I really think Cherry and Joseph uh, hit the nail on the head with exactly what Kobe meant to this community and and to the greater soccer and football community as a whole. So if you haven't had a chance to head over there, and I'm sure everyone who listens to this show listens to Heart of LAFC, but if you for some reason missed this week, I would highly encourage that. But before we kick off the main episode, boys, I just wanted to kick it around the room here. And if you had an anecdote, a moment, something that sort of touched you about this week. I've been bummed last couple days just because my family's been bummed. And partly because he was, back in the day, at least when he was on KCAL, it was easier to watch, and that was like, you know, two to three time a week kind of gathering around the television. He would make us feel good just because you could tell he put everything out there and it made you feel like you could do your best. Or at the very minimum, you're spending time with your family when you maybe would not have because, you know, different generations have different interests, uh, but he was this unifying factor. So it got us to reflect. It got us to hang out more over the last few days than we typically do because we're all adults now and just kind of talk about those moments. So it's unfortunate that it took that for that to happen, to have that happen for our family this week. But I know that he did everything to the fullest. He was a family person. It's just unfortunate that just because he typically wanted to spend as much time with his family, he would take helicopters. That's the way he went out. It's been different and difficult, but I know that we have to go on. And the next thing that 
happens for his family. Hopefully it's something that the whole community can support them in these, these hard moments. Living in Los Angeles my whole life, you always knew, you know, Kobe Bryant. Like that was especially in my generation, you know, that w- when they won their first three-peat with Kobe and Shaq, I was, I was like in grade school, you know, but I was never actually a... Uh, Kobe Bryant fan you know I that he just he didn't do it for me right but I was never really a big basketball fan to begin with but you know and then I as I got into my teens I was actually like against Kobe like I just (laughs) he was just so good but there was just things about him as a player that I just didn't like but when when I saw him retire and I saw the kind of person that he was as a parent that's actually when I really started to you know have like a likeness for him and I really started to appreciate Kobe Bryant as a parent and as an individual and you know I think at the end of the day like yes this man was the greatest competitor of all competitors you know he was dedicated to his trade but at the end of the day I think what defines people a lot is what they're like outside of their job and what they're like when they have responsibilities and he may not have been the easiest teammate to get along with but I mean he was arguably a model father figure um and you know being a father myself it's you know that's probably what's hit me the hardest is the fact of you know that he's got his three daughters and his newest daughter is not even a year old and it's the same with the other families that uh, are mourning the loss of a loved one you know there's several parents that passed away now and there's kids that are going to grow up with either one parent less or no parents at all in the uh, Altabelli family and that it's it's all sad but you know it's just definitely a hard day for everybody. Drew did you have any remembrance of Kobe? Oh 100% I don't know if anyone knows this but I think I was talking to you guys beforehand but I'm born and raised in LA so I'm 35 years old he was a huge part of me growing up and just Mm -hmm. being a part of my culture my upbringing wasn't the biggest basketball fan but it was this amazing communal thing that me and my friends would always share, hang around. He was just there. He was just a present being in our lives, whether, I mean, even if you didn't like basketball, he was there, right? I think to what he was saying earlier, it was kind of, I laughed because I kind of have associated myself and I've been a, a part of these players, even in soccer, like a Cristiano Ronaldo or Sergio Ramos, where people hate them. Right. <laughs> you hate for the, these types of guys to be against you. And maybe even if you support that team, maybe the the way he goes about things is maybe a Frictional. bit too much. Yeah. yeah, or it causes it causes a little bit of problems or whatever. But at the end of the day, that type of crazy mentality to get it done and to win and to do it the right way and to wake up early and to be so dedicated to your craft that you're I mean there's very few people that you can think of that are on that level of just like Commitment. Commitment and masters, like proper Mm -hmm. masters. And he was one of them. So, And then on the other side of things is the way he likes soccer and the way he championed soccer. I loved that, of course. Huge ambassador for the game. Huge ambassador for the game. It was really cool when I mentioned that I worked with Kicks to the Pitch. The owner of Kicks to the Pitch, Curtis, started it because he was such a big basketball fan and saw a lot of parallels between the game. So I met him through that, and we would talk all the time. And he actually got to interview Kobe at his – he had an event called After Death, which is really ironic that we're talking about this, but it was his shoe that came out. And during the Q&A, Curtis asked him about how soccer influenced his design of his shoe. And Kobe said everything since the Kobe 4. And then yeah. He gave like a really crazy long explanation. That's why he went low tops. That's when they went low. He, mm-hmm. he focused on the heel counter. And he's right. like, why do soccer players not have ankle problems? And we were like mm-hmm. basketball shoes have high ankle support, and what's the what's the thing? And right. Kobe's like, that's not what it was. He's like, it should be on the on the heel counter. 
you get that type of support. And me and me and Curtis are sitting there like, what? <laughs> like we're remember, blown away. I remember reading those stories. Yeah, when, man. Mm-hmm. So that's that type of stuff where like he championed my city where I'm from, gave me immense pride to be from LA. And then, you know, those stories where he's crossing over and championing a sport that at the time, me growing up in liking soccer was not cool. Like that, right. you know, it's it's become cool in the past like five years, which yeah. is incredible. But so Kobe Bryant is he's one of those unreal sort of, you know, different next level people to me and obviously incredibly sad but i still find great inspiration from him so yeah definitely i grew up a huge laker fan Mm -hmm. i mean i remember sitting on the couch with my grandma with the tv on mute and chick hearn on the radio you know i mean chick uh, hearn you know chicken stew and and all the the showtime era was was my childhood right so kobe was huge right Um, (laughs) you know uh he he is old he's older so you know i mean obviously it was it was hard for me i just moved this week and i had a giant box of sports memorabilia that was packed long before this happened and so i'm unpacking day before yesterday, right? And I pop open this box of sports memorabilia, and there's a hundred things in this box, completely disheveled and thrown around by the process of moving. The very top thing, the very middle thing, when I open the box, Kobe Bryant's rookie card in its case. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's little things like that that have been so symbolic this week. When we talk about something, something so dark as you know, the passing tragically of of family members and everything about the optics around it are so terrible. Um, But yet we have seen something positive come out of it. We've seen a community galvanize, right? You know, even Kobe Bryant just being at LAFC last week, I mean, it's sort of you have to connect the dots on this show to think about something dark and something bright, something black, something gold, right? That, That in even this combination of the dirt and grease of a city and the glamour and glitz of Hollywood, this this dark, depressing moment, but this galvanizing moment where a community comes together in love. It sort of it, it kind of ties into to LAFC in its own in its own unique way. Um, and shout out to sound engineer Wilton, who doesn't have a mic to tell his story, but is wearing his black and gold Kobe jersey. Beautiful today, jersey. So. Yeah. Beautiful jersey. Um, <laughs> You know, look, the LAFC community has certainly known its fair share of mourning in the past weeks as well, too. Obviously, with the tragic passing as well of of Jaime, we saw a moment of remembrance at the game versus Peñarol. We saw a really beautiful moment in which flowers were given to his daughter. And that really sort of started off the game versus Peñarol in a very somber moment. I mean, that, that attitude has sort of continued throughout the week. But just like the community was galvanized um, around the news around Kobe, so was the 3252 really, really unified around the Cuervos and everything that's happened with them. And I think we saw from minute one when the game kicked off versus Peñarol that there was an attitude amongst the 3252 that this was going to be done in homage and respect to him. And what a game we ended up having. So why don't we dive into a conversation about Peñarol here real quick, and we'll kind of kick around. And gentlemen, your thoughts about our first game of 2020, the community, the passion, the pride, and the performance on the pitch? I was there. I was heavily involved. Uh, yeah, talk about it. So building up was obviously, it was like my second week of work, but one of my big functions is to deal with supporters, obviously heavily with our supporters, but with the way support getting in contact with whomever is either visiting or when we're traveling. We've already started things with San Jose and DC United and all these clubs to get things going so that we can have a smooth transition when we travel there or when they travel, you know, home. Uh, so Benyarol, we found out that they started buying tickets in sections that is that are typically outside of supporter sections. So I got in contact with them right away. They were incredibly friendly, super cool. So I was able to give them uh, a nice tour of the stadium the night before. It was about seven or eight of them. 
Um, and they're traveling from Minnesota, from New York, from yeah. Miami, from all over the U.S., but they're all like super passionate fans. You forget kind of when you go to the bank so much and you're there kind of, you know, every week, a couple days a week, whatever, you kind of lose sight of or you forget a little bit. You just get so used to it, but it's such a beautiful stadium. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. Like yeah, It is. And people that aren't used to that just... I mean, they were blown away. We were making a joke when we were going up to like Sunset Deck, and I was like, "Yeah, you guys can, you know, put your feet in the pool if you want." And they're like, "Ah!" And then we got up there, and they were kind of like, "There's really a pool here," um, but they were just really blown away by the whole, you know, just everything. It's, it's very new. It's yeah. very, it's very, it's very pretty, of course. And uh, we took them to the press box. They saw the skyline of LA. To me, like that, just never ever gets old. That it's just a beautiful view. I sit around there. Yeah, yeah, so uh, they loved it, man, and it was it was cool to get their excitement beforehand. Um, we took under free play. They chanted with some of our supporters, which was awesome because we want to build those relationships with clubs like that, the, yeah. th- just like we've done with Dortmund, Vassell Kobe. We want to be considered, you know, when people think of MLS, I want them to think of LAFC. I don't want them to think of anybody else. Yeah, like we're the global ambassadors of the league. Yeah, and and it was important to show their fans a good time. Yeah. Their penural supporters, in their the was right next door to D9. Yeah, um, right. So we got to spend a lot of time hanging out and chatting with them and, uh, you know, surprised at how many of them, you know, I mean, were from the States and how many of yeah. them traveled up from, from South America as well, too. So, I mean, it was this really cool combination because even as we were meeting them as fans, some of them were meeting each other for the first time yeah. from some of the yeah, local yeah. supporters groups from all over the country that got together, uh, in addition, you know, to, to the people who came up from South America. So there was like this sense of us meeting them while they were also meeting each other. Right. Um, but even in that respect, you know, their chance, their unity, I oh, mean, awesome. um, it was just a, yeah. a really cool moment because normally there's this standoffishness and, you know, this sort of us versus them mentality there was, of supporters supporting there was, just wasn't there. Yeah. The, even the supporters on, on their own, they were talking before. So I had to like, all right, what are we doing? try to figure yeah. it out and stuff so they brought their grill i mean the grill was I don't know, probably like eight feet long it was oh, it smelled so good yeah yeah it was awesome man a good buddy of mine is um he did his uh study abroad in south america mm-hmm. and he he went to peñarol oh, and he's it moved him so you know he became he was he grew up playing baseball mm-hmm. uh dodger guy and then when he came back to the states after that he's like he's been following peñarol for a while and then once lafc arrived I've made sure he's gone to a few games over the last few yeah, seasons. Yeah. So when this came, he was hitting me up. He's like, hey, man, one of these tickets going to go for sale. So, like, I surprised him and I bought him tickets. Oh, wow. Uh, so he was geeking out, like, just the fact that he was watching the two teams he kind of admires. <laughs> um, he's like, how does this happen? And, like, I know that they have this connection and we brought two of the best players that they've had over the last few years. But he knew who the other players were that are young, they're up and coming. And he was super excited. So I was, you know, very content that I was able to provide – or be a piece of this moment for him where they were connecting two different leagues and two different teams uh, that he admires. Yeah. And so, and you know, what did you guys think once the game started? You know, what, what did you guys, what was your guys' impression of our academy players, our trialists, the guys oh, from Phoenix? I was, I'm excited. One, of the, one yeah. of the coolest things I've ever yeah. seen was those kids going in. Because I was, one of the, like, my favorite thing that I've done, well, obviously the first match was amazing, but going to visit the, the PC where we went to a training training session and it, the kids were training with the first team so I'm looking at like you know all these Dio and all these guys Tristan and and then I look down and it's like the little academy boys but uh Pat you know Pat Avilis, he told me the story about how they're coming up we talked to one of the youth coaches and yeah. so it was just awesome to see them 
train and then when they went in like a lot of the staff got emotional they were like crying and like really excited for them and uh it's just like a super proud moment because they've been a, the academy is one of the first things that got put into place right mm-hmm. so these kids have been with the team longer than most of the players have they were you know? impressive they <laughs> yeah. were very and they impressive. got after it yeah. man they, they were out there getting into tackles and, they, and i mean I, zero fear man zero fear. No. zero fear the moment was not too big for them it's just like they, they had played a game before in the stadium it it, it was it was I was impressed. First of all, their awareness. They're obviously they are playing in the same type of system because they knew where the ball needed to be. They needed to. They knew where their position was defensively. They were aware of the next person or the next pass before the ball got there to them. And if they had space, they took that space. Like they yeah. weren't afraid of the moment. You know, that's that's <laughs> a really good point. Yeah. The beauty of them being that young is that they're still you can still mold them. Right. You know what I mean, and they're just. I mean, being at that level, they're going to listen. Yep. You know, they want to get there. So they're not going to have a real ego yet or really, right. like, think too highly of themselves yet. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they they were just stuck, getting stuck in on these tackles. And it's funny because yeah. uh, you see them, like, mark up on a corner. And, and, dude, these guys had huge their, – their front line was enormous. They were big guys. They were built. Yeah, <laughs> they were big boys, man. And didn't matter, like – Bodied them up, and it was it was just so cool to see, man. It was that was one of the, the most beautiful things, obviously. So, uh, for those of you who yeah. didn't catch it, based on my notes, I have we had from the academy number thirty five Eric Duenas who came in, number yes. forty three Armando Avia, number forty four Diego Rosales, number forty five Tony Leon, number forty one who did not play, I believe, was Mauricio Gutierrez, correct, and. Do I ever need this kit? Number 42, Christian Torres. Christian, dude, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming after you, bro. I need one of those 42 kits. Um, um, so that was, I mean, absolutely inspiring to see them out there and to see how well they performed. You know, even prior to the Academy kids coming on, I think there were some things that I took right away from the initial lineup that came out um, that Bob put out there. Obviously, we have some squad rotation. It's a friendly. We got a ton of people away on international yeah, duty. Right. But right out the bag, I think the biggest question of right back was answered right away with Latif Blessing oh, out man. there and right back. I was. Um, I love that. He played. He, him and Carlos were linking up so well yeah. the entire time. And Carlos was playing a little bit wider than usual, I think, but... They were just the, the runs they were doing, give and goes, overlaps. It was so it was nice good. to see, man. So I, nice. I'm interested in that, actually. That's a good topic because I think it's going to depend on who we're playing, whether it's Tristan or Latif, honestly. I'm happy either way. I'm happy either <laughs> way. I agree because, you know, Tristan, Tristan goes up and down himself. But yeah. it's just a different dynamic with Latif because yeah. Latif could be anywhere. Well, I think LAFC's style uh, was interjected right away. Um, both outside backs were absolutely bobbing forward the whole time. Getting after it, yeah. That exchange between uh, Latif and Vela, who was definitely more out on the right, and I think that's we're not going to see him play that central striker role as much. At least that's what it appeared they were working on. But, I mean, let's talk about Vela's goal for a second. The back heel <laughs> Meg to Latif. Deke, Deke passes it. Vela receives the ball through the legs with one touch. And then, of course, the signature goal to start 2020 oh, is yeah. the Vela curler, top left corner. Nothing anyone can do about it. <laughs> yeah. It just, it was like, it, it was like someone from Hollywood just scrolled over and just yeah, wrote us a script real quick and said, okay, here's going to be like, draw up the most perfect goal to start the season. That's about as good as you could possibly draw up an LAFC goal. It was amazing. Beer showers, first game. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It's one of those things, especially for me being the first man that I'm you know, an employee. You don't know how these things are ever going to go with any preseason game. We've done well in the past, but us not having our core group and them having the majority of their players, and, I mean, they're a strong side, period. Yeah. So I, you don't know. You don't know. And then you see Carlos, he hasn't missed a beat at all 
Like he just seemed so comfortable, so confident, right. and just and they gave him they gave him that space, and I was just like, oh boy, it's over. It's <laughs> like the craziest thing. Like you know what he's gonna do, yeah, and he yeah. still does it. Like he he still figures out a way to get that two like feet of space where he can get around them. He like just did this little, like, this tiny little hop over the ball. Yeah. And gave the, the ball just rolled just enough to where he knew he, he yeah. needed it. That's all it was. Now, with, it was your, with your role in the club now, mm-hmm. how much of the game do you actually get to watch? Depending on how smooth everything is going with... Uh, a lot of our stuff is prepping the match beforehand. So making sure that the supporters have, have all their needs, have all their flags, have all their water and stuff at the capital stands. Um, and then we set up, like, Falconer. We... We do the North End visit. Like, I had Mikey Garcia. I don't know if you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with him, but mm-hmm. I'm a big boxing fan. So I actually met him at the PC when uh, LAFC was training the week before. It's my first time at the PC. They were kind of introducing me to everybody, and he happened to be there. So I uh, met him. He became Falconer. We got him some tickets. And then um, so I was a little bit, like, kind of his liaison before that. Took him to the North End visit. Uh, got him a, to be a Falconer. We interviewed him and, did, you know, the whole nine, mm-hmm. that whole stuff. Um, and then before that, also, I had to go and set up the Penrose supporters and make sure they were okay. And that was a process because it was a, a unique situation where they were outside of the typical away support section. Right, in the south end. So a lot of it is like four, I would say four hours before the game, we're doing, we're like nonstop. During the game, we're on the field and pretty much we're okay unless there's weird incidents that happen. Mikey, at one point, he was like, I love my tickets. But I love the three two five two. I want to get. I want to go in there with them. So we had to figure that out. Talk to security. Get them in there, and you know, make sure the supporters more more so than anything are cool with it. And they loved him. So he went in and he was chanting. He didn't want to leave. So we left him in there. He was there for like the last like half hour maybe. That's cool. Um, yeah, he was. He loved it. So we also saw North End visits from Drake Bell and James Maslow as well too. Were you yeah, a part of that? No, as well? I was more Mikey. We kind of like if when there's that many people for a North End visit, we have to like divvy it up a little bit. Um, so Rich kind of took the control of that one. Um, he loves that's he excels at that. He's he's the man when it comes to that stuff. Zero fear. I love it. Um, so, yeah, that type of stuff. And then during the match, we're you know, and then if there's a security issue or something like that, then you know, Robbie or Pat usually uh, will take control of that. But I haven't been there long enough to see what will happen as the season. You know, obviously more things will happen as the season go, goes on, I'm sure. Um, but for the most part, that's what it was for the first match. Um, well, yeah. Curious to hear some other takeaways from the game. So, you know, back to kind of the starting lineup as well, too. I mean, I think um, the one thing all of us were most eager to see was the performance of Kenneth Vermeer yep. in goal. That's and I have to say, I mean, 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10, it mm-hmm. goes to 11. It was amazing. <laughs> um, uh, the performance, the communication, how he was working with the back line, whether it was hand signals, vocal signals, and his shot-stopping ability, uh, his ability to play out from the back, whether it was long passes, short passes, when to come out. It was flawless. I mean, everything we saw was textbook like this guy had been doing it at the highest level his whole life. I was blown away, and I'm curious if if I'm just geeking out and fanboying here if you guys had a similar experience. I think you're right. I mean... He he's definitely more vocal. It's just it seems like more confident. Not only is he just that was louder. The biggest thing, confidence. I think, I think yeah. his even his posture as he's, he's shouting out as, at his defense or setting them up, you could tell like he's been there, he's done that. He he's seen little things in terms of positioning. Although I, I will say Tristan saved a couple goals, um, but even despite that, like he was uh, orchestrating. He was a leader back there, in in ways that we haven't seen the other two keepers be, and that's because they're so young. He's in his thirties. So he, like you said, he's he's been around. He's been he's been playing at the top two teams in the Netherlands. Uh, he's been in the national team. So these moments are not going to be too big for him. And these observations 
are not going to be something that he's going to be feel, feel shy about um, uh, telling his backline what to do. So, um, and not to say like the stop, the free kick, he he jumped up to the top top right corner like it was nothing. Yeah, it was like yeah. a Spider Man. And you could, if you look at the slow mo replay when he lands, you could you could see him looking down at the ground and starting his roll. I'm like. How do you have that awareness? Obviously, it's that experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, the way he came out for me, the way he would come out on on, on the one on ones, yeah, zero yep. fear, yep, complete exactly. confidence. The way he was talking to his players already, the way he was even the wall for that. We were anxious. We wanted to see that. I think another telltale sign was before uh, there he had like a media scrum, and you could see the with the whole you know chicharito stuff that's been going on. Uh, the media was testing Ooh. him. The, <laughs> the media has been testing him, was was testing him a little bit. And he was just like, dude, these, I played at Ajax and I went to Feyenoord afterward. Like, what are you going to, like, you can't really, like, bother yeah. me. You could say the media was testing him. We know it was one person <laughs> yeah. trying to get him to trip up, let's be honest. You know, but yeah. he was, he was so, Homer. he was so. Talk about Baxter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't. Uh, let's let's stay positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just so he was so good about it, and he yeah. didn't do it in a rude way. He just did it in a very like nonchalant, very professional way. Right. And I think that that I was like, okay, this guy, he's got something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a proper professional. Then you see him out on the pitch, and okay, then you confidence, class, intelligence. Yes. Really impressed with what All I that. saw there. Cisniega. Um, I mean, I think once again we saw sort of some of the same things we saw last year. The shot stopping ability is there. The raw ability is there, but some of the decision making, some of the distribution out right. the back was questionable. Um, so I think, I mean, I, you know, it's nice to see him looking physically bigger and stronger and fitter. Um, but I think it's appropriate that he's understudied to someone who's showing, um, you know, that mental ability. And I think that's going to be, it's going to do wonders for Cisniega. And I think Abdel is, uh, you know, he's uh, certainly done a great job in getting Kenneth ready for for what yeah. we saw. Yeah, well, I just hope that I just hope that Paulo doesn't get discouraged, you know, because I mean he still is so young. He's only like twenty three or twenty four, and it's you know he as a goalie should have a lengthy career ahead of him. And I just hope that it's not that he looks for another opportunity somewhere else to get more minutes, and that he is willing to be patient and he stays here because, let's be honest, Kenneth has has an end to the amount of time that he'll be able to play. So it's like if you can wait patiently, the the, the spot could potentially be yours for the taking in a season or two. Yeah, and I think it would only benefit his uh, overall ability in the long run. But at the same time, too, he left. Uh, he left Sociedad. Sociedad because he was looking for an opportunity to play and to well, start. We got a lot of games. He's going to get some. I was just going to say yeah. we have a packed schedule. season this year. Yeah, yeah. no, I think a couple schedule. things about him. Like he also got a, a different back line, which was even less experience. So I think they put him in more precarious situations, but to you know, to his skill set, he he's not a good distributor of the ball yet, which is some of the things I said last year, which I think why Tyler was preferred some of the time because um, he was a little bit calmer under pressure with the ball at his feet, uh, but shot stopping was there. Um, I mean, we I, saw the penalty he gave up; he got carded for. I mean, yeah. that was a bit of. I mean. Maybe he could have handled that a little better. Uh, he had a giveaway where, I mean, I think, you know, he was attempting to distribute the ball out, and he ended yeah. up turning it over right at the top of the box. Yeah, um, that was bad. The, yeah. the penalty, I, I kind of do blame the defense a little bit on that. Uh, they put him in a terrible spot, and he still had to make the play. He didn't. Um, so and it is what it is. 
Fecundo Torres just just hit the pole and missed it, which yeah. uh, you know we could be seeing him in the black and gold fairly soon. So that'd um, be nice. You know, uh, maybe in retrospect we might have wanted him to bury that, but um, <laughs> uh, I think by all accounts, um, his training with the team and our partnership with Penurel certainly lends us to believe that a loan or a purchase or something might be might be in the works there. Um, you know, speaking of partnerships with clubs, um, uh, there was a strong presence of Phoenix Rising players there as well, too. Um, though they might not have had the most shining impact on the game itself, I think there's an overarching partnership between the two clubs that's going to continue that we can draw from this match as well, too. And I think that that association with uh, the Rising, up the Rising, um, that, you know, maybe we might get to the point where there's something more official there. And, you know, I'd love to see maybe, uh, you know, an away day out there to Phoenix, um, to their stadium with uh, the 3252 to go support maybe some of our players that end up alone <laughs> down there. Um <laughs> You know, um, I think that could definitely be, at least that was something that I took away initially because prior to the match, and, and maybe I was just ignorant of this, but I didn't hear much about Phoenix Rising or Phoenix Rising players um, until all of a sudden they started announcing a lineup for people to come out there. And we're like, wait a minute, we're, we're scrambling, you know, uh, to Google real quick. I think that's going to be in place, at least this is my prediction, until the Academy kids are mm -hmm. LAFC too. Um, yeah. But... I, you know, they did a good job, especially filling in with everyone being away in international duty. So, uh, and they they were able to put themselves in the same types of positions and uh, follow the same kind of game plan that Bob has. So I was happy about that because, bigger, small, younger, older in their careers, everyone kind of understood what the game plan was, executed it, and we we're fortunate enough to put two goals away early so that we can manage the game in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think also the fact that Phoenix is a Good team in, in yeah. the league that they play. Didn't they just win a championship? I think they lost in the no, semi or final. The semi they got yeah. close. They got yeah, close, but they've been at a high level mm -hmm. of, in their league for a while, and that is, I mean, that's just. They were. Us, I think know. they were. They, the I felt like they had the won semis. something. I felt like I saw a picture of them and their club celebrating something. I think they last. got the top seed. Just yeah, like, I think they they oh, won like their okay. equivalent <laughs> of a supporter shield. Oh, okay. they had the best record. Mm -hmm. Um, but speaking of things from Arizona, uh, we also have a new signing in the form of Bryce Duke, who is uh, our first homegrown player, even though he's not grown in <laughs> our home. Um, we bought the rights from RSL, right? We <laughs> bought the rights to a homegrown player. Yeah. MLS gonna MLS, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Bryce Duke shows up, 18-year-old from Casa Grande, Arizona. Uh, he was in the Arizona Barca Academy there um, and then uh, was with Real Salt Lake. Um, before he, uh, yeah, we purchased his rights. And I have to say, um, you know, look, if the guy's career in football doesn't pan out, he probably has a career in modeling. He's got that look to <laughs> wow. him. You know, have you seen the pictures of him? <laughs> wow. He's, he's definitely striking the blue steel pose kind of constantly. Is that where we're going He with played this? well, though. He balled out. <laughs> balled out, and he's got a nice head of hair. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He looks good, man. Yeah. He's challenging Vela for best hair on the team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He needs, he needs another year. <laughs> wow. He was really good. He, he was, you know, I think... He's a younger version of Latif's like passion. He was everywhere on the pitch. He yeah. was in the defensive side. He was you know on the top of the box, the mid, the right, the left. It's I, funny I was you impressed. Say younger, like Latif is still <laughs> super He's young. Though, yeah. yeah, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying, like you know, different ability. But he he was everywhere. He was definitely giving everything he had. You know, taking his opportunity and ended up being in a signature the next day. So youth is yeah. strong with this team, very yeah, much so. Awesome. Yeah. You know, speaking of players who were out there and getting into it, uh, uh, the ghost from last year, but the return of Alejandro Guido, um, he was, he <laughs> was, he ghost. was, I uh, played incredibly yeah, well. He played well. Um, you know, and I think we're seeing why the club chose to keep him around despite his limited minutes last season. I mean, what he got into one game after the 70th minute, I think. Um, 
you know, last season. Um, so we really didn't have much to go on. But, you know, just in what we saw in this game versus Peñarol, um, impressive, impressive. Our midfield's going to be deep, which yeah. I'm happy about. Super happy. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the needs we addressed at the beginning of the offseason is saying, gosh, we wish we had a deeper midfield. And then lo and behold, we're one friendly into the season. And we're like, oh, our midfield's so deep. Right? You know? <laughs> well, and then especially, too, you know, with uh, – you know, Walker ever going on international duty. Tristan bumps over to the center. Yep. And then, you know, we put some one you know, Latif take one of our midfielders, put him out on the right back. And it's you know, yep. having versatility is great. Yep. Yeah, and our second half, we saw some old friends show up out there. Uh, Mohamed El Munir came out. Uh, birthday boy Jordan Harvey, happy birthday, Jordan! Um, you know he came out there, um, and we saw some good work and some good minutes put in from El Munir and Harvey as well too. Uh, Dio came out and got into it for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was that tackle was right. Li- in front literally of me. got into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Little, you know. I mean, that's one thing we love about Dio, right? I mean, he is always going to be uh, an in-your-face style player, and he's not going to take uh, anything sitting down, yeah. whether it's. Physical, verbal, whatever, Dio's going to get into it. And uh, I, I'm, I love it. I, there was a, a few tackles that he got in that moment, and he, he threw in a sneaky little elbow. I'll say it didn't feel like a friendly. No, it didn't feel like a preseason no. match at all. It was a pretty intense game, man. It was. It was. They wanted to win, which I appreciate. Like, they're, yeah. they're flying all the way over here. They, they want to compete. Yeah, they were getting after it, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they had a good, a good support section, and they wanted to show off for them, I'm sure. And... I know they're fighting for position uh, spots as well. They're still in their preseason as right. well. So, you know, they're getting after it. So it was awesome. Well, and this is one of the things we talked about with LAFC is, is the ability to play in physical games, right? I mean, we've had this conversation multiple times this offseason so that that yeah. was our Achilles heel last season. Big time. And, yeah. and so, I mean, if you're Penderol and you're going to put up, what do you do against LAFC? Get physical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't work for them, and I think that was a great sign. So now let me ask you guys. You know, so this, the, this team from... South America is a notable team. It's that they've got a lot of uh, great history about them, and so now that we came out, we won. Granted, it's preseason; we didn't have our full roster. They may not have been putting out their full roster. What's your takeaways from this? How do you evaluate this performance? And do you think that it shows our level, especially when we've got our match coming up against Leon? It's a good question. Yeah. I think. Um, you know, we've kind of hit on some of the points. The midfield depth was there. Um, you know, keeper position, we're strong once again. Vela will always be Vela. Um, the combination of him and Blessing potentially playing in a right position. Uh, Blackman's ability to step in and play center back. A lot of the questions we had about this offseason were answered in one game. Um, so I feel pretty confident in our ability. Now, obviously, there was a lot of players that weren't there, so we don't know how this is going to play out with, um, you know, I mean, Apancho Guinella with uh, Diego Rossi. I mean, with the addition of those players, uh, Segura coming back, um, how that will change this team. I mean, those are some very strong players, and without, you know, arguably a third of our starting lineup, we were still able to go out and put on this performance. You know, uh, our academy showed incredibly well, and the pipeline of players coming in. There were no negatives to take from this No, game. but I'm talking about, I guess, more so the current state of the club and where we would rank in like an international level. I I would I was happy with the performance. One, two, you know, Hinella, Rossi, and Atuesa all scored in the last couple of weeks international. So I know they're playing well, but they're playing in different systems right now in a different tournament. So their mentality may be closer to what we want in terms of term- tournament play, but they're not playing together. They're not gelling at this point. So that is one thing that I think – I wish they weren't uh, away in their mm-hmm. competitions. The other thing I would say is 
I think the team looks good in comparison to last year. I still think it stinks that, you know, Leon's already three games in. They'll be like five games in into their league, competitive, <coughs> fighting for their lives to get into the top eight, right, to, to go into uh, Ligia. So that means that they're going to be in midseason form at that point, and we're still going to only have played like four or five preseason games. Different level of comp- competition, even though Peñarol's a good team. Uh, even though the other teams that we're going to play are, are MLS teams going through the same thing, it's a different level of excitement. You're not under the same bright lights at a full stadium where like, your your supporters are, are are there, and then the spots in the team are not defined yet because mm-hmm. no, we're still missing those. So those are the things that still are of concern to me because those things aren't defined. And going into those games, I wish we were a couple more weeks ahead from a preseason perspective. Drew, your thoughts? I understand. I I think those are those concerns and those, you know, worries are, you know, warranted, I think. Absolutely. But what for me, I think I understood that which is really nice is that everyone understands the system. And mm-hmm. all of our good players are away. They get it. They, clearly we've seen them. So everyone else, you know, that was a, maybe a question or, you know, roster player or whatever, they played very well. I think, you know, there was a couple of players maybe that didn't play up to the potential, but I think everyone pretty much knew what they were doing and played in a really good system. I'm a fan of the U.S. men's national team, and I watch those games, and I want to cry every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. No yeah. one, there's no, like, direction. There's no, no one really knows exactly how they fit, and this is not that. So uh, the beauty in that for me is that everyone's kind of on the same page. Everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid, per se, or so to say, and obviously – we're going to Lyon for the first time, and this is a huge deal. I yep. don't think anyone's taking it lightly. This is just the reality of being in the MLS, right. and that is always going to be a, a bit of a hindrance. But if we want to be on that level, if we want to prove ourselves yeah. to be a world team, then these are the types of things that we have to go through and endure. I'm sure if you're Real Madrid and you have to play Bayern and Atleti and Bayern on the second leg of the Champions League, and then maybe you play Barcelona in the Copa del Rey, they just do it. Yeah, it's and true. That's it. You know, and that. You know, maybe you have 10 injured, they don't care. They just do it. So if we want to be considered on, I'm not saying we're Madrid, sure. but what I'm saying, the mentality of those guys, you see them when they play in those Champions League games, they don't, they're not bothered by anything. Unfazed. Well, I don't think it's a competition. To me, it's just yeah. the the timing of when they're in, in form, right? Sure, Because they have sure. the same kind of calendar. Yeah, yeah. And that's but all I'm talking about. I, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, this these everyone deals with obstacles. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe yeah. it's a crazy fixture schedule. Or maybe it's like you're traveling all these weird time zones or whatever. These This is just the reality of, of who we are, what we are, the league that we play in. Right. And for me... You know, like you just gotta, you just gotta go out there and do it. And and I understand all that, but I feel like everyone is gonna be very, very up for Leon. I mean, oh, this for is sure, a big opportunity for us. We're proud to already set you know records and to have done crazy things that no one thought we would. And so now I'm looking forward to to doing even more this. Year. I mean, I'm confident we'll do well. I I just wish we were on equal footing from a you know from a yeah, starting no, I, perspective I, I yeah. Totally yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm interested to see though because that the game against leon at the bank is going to be the second leg so mm-hmm. i'm happy about that you know, mm-hmm. oh yeah yes 100 percent. and <laughs> and so i i think that the game in leon uh, against leon in leon is going to be a huge game and we're definitely got a lot of our 30s and 50s members but the the amount of energy that's going to come at that bank because it's still not going to be our opening day Right, opening day is like four days later against Inter. <laughs> Peñarol was intense. It wasn't even full stadium. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I'm just I, I think that that's going to be popping at the seams in terms of the energy. Well, I'm really you know I think a lot of LAFC's 
you know, performance versus Leon kind of depends upon New York City, FC Dallas, and FC Toronto and how much they bring in our remaining friendlies. I think we're sort of dependent upon them bringing their A game into those friendlies in order to make sure that we're adequately prepared for that. So, Well, New York's going to go, too, so they're going to bring it. Yeah, that. absolutely. And I think they're, that's a good they're, decision. They're, yeah. they're iron sharpening iron type mm-hmm. of situation, I, I think, yeah. Um, did you guys have any other thoughts just no. in closing on Peñarol? Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, we've talked a lot of positives. I mean, if there was anything you would take from the match as constructive, you know, personally, I would say maybe Brian Rodriguez that I eat probably, you know, I mean, still seems like he's acclimating to what Bob wants from him and what's going on with the other players. But I don't think so. I think the ball just didn't bounce his way because I think he was still trying to take take it at him, and that's what I like about him. He gets the ball and he wants to push. I just, I just, I just don't think he's had the right opening where. His shot strikes through or true, and um, I just know his first goal, since it's been pent up, is going to be an amazing goal. I think Brian has the potential to be, like, one of the greatest players in the league. I've seen yep. him yep. do things to defenders, multiple defenders at a time, that no one else can do. Exactly. I mean, no one has the ability to really run at people like that at exactly. pace. And, and I mean, he has, he has a very high ceiling, and obviously, you know, people are paying attention. Yep. Um I think he just needs to tighten it up a little bit, but I have. I mean, I'm I'm super excited to watch him blossom this season. I think he's going to be okay. I think once that first goal goes oh, in, it's going to rain. It's going to look like Miguel Amiron type of situation. Yeah. That's yeah. why I look at it. Yeah, exactly. My only takeaway for the uh, preseason match is uh, let's set up some streams so that the people <laughs> at home. I think um, hey, the word on that is not that LAFC didn't want to do it, but because you have two different teams, two different leagues, broadcast rights might have been a complication. I'm not going to say that that is confirmed or not, but I would say that any logical person looking at all the facts involved would say that that's the logical answer. And in most of these cases, uh, you know, where the fans are screaming for something, the team has the ability with cameras and everything to make it happen. The fact that it didn't happen, you have to look at the most logical solution. So I would say it was probably a rights issue um, between the two leagues. Um, not, that I think is a fairly safe. Well, now answer. you make me feel like. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean I just um, 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 you know me maybe maybe a little birdie told me that we'll see. Um, Last thing but... I would say it was dope to see Diego Forlan. Oh, that was awesome, man! Yeah. He was super class. Went up to the fans, yeah. took pictures with them. Yeah. He was class the whole time. Super yeah. nice to all yeah. the staff. He I was, was just. Yeah. He was about five feet from me. It didn't come off the handshake. <laughs> it was okay. The so, ball yeah, went out of bounds. He plucked it out of the air and like, just like in one motion, he's, passed it. Still got like, it. He still yeah. got <laughs> it. I'm like, why you, why you suit up, please? I love it. I love it when coaches occasionally show off that bit of flair. I mean, you know, as an Arsenal fan, Arsene Wenger occasionally, like the ball would come at him and he would just do something real quick and he'd be like, oh man, you got uh, yeah, it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love those moments. Yeah, but I think it's a perfect time to go ahead and transition the show well, that's um, right. we have an interview. to the gentleman who is <laughs> so graciously came and joined us today. So for those of you who are not familiar with Andrew Medina, um, obviously a, a big player within the soccer community, the football community here in Los Angeles prior to your addition to the LAFC team. If you're not following him on social media, you should be. It is at Drew underscore near post. You are our new brand and community coordinator and supporter relations. So congratulations on the new role. Welcome to the club. Thank you very much. Um, And we're so happy that you made the trip out here to Shoulder to Shoulder Studios. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, I haven't 
been able to podcast in a while, so nice to be in front of a mic again and talking soccer, which I can do forever. Same here. <laughs> um, we know you, um, you know, have told some of your soccer stories before, but um, for our listeners who maybe haven't heard some of your other podcasts out mm-hmm. there, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got into this, the beautiful game? Uh, born and raised in L.A. I grew up in Whittier, so that's super East L.A. St. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Borderline, yeah, borderline Orange County, but... Yeah. Uh, hotbed for soccer, that whole area. Uh, so grew up playing rec, ASO, till I was about, I don't know, nine or nine, ten years old. And then I started to play club. Um, got more serious, I would say, because club is like you have to try out. You can get cut from the team. It's kind of like travel bar or like AAU for basketball. A lot of people kind of equate it to that if, if you're not familiar. Uh, so played club for a long time, and it was like, you know, three days a week practicing for three hours. Uh crazy tournaments on the weekends, and I loved the game, obviously, but what was weird about that, that that time, this is before internet, this is before things were so accessible, this is before MLS, you know, MLS wasn't a thing yet until like 96, so mm-hmm. it started to become a thing, but it wasn't really easy to watch, we would watch the World Cup, really, you know, so that's kind of how I, I kind of like would watch soccer here and there, but it wasn't really real for me until like there was this one day I was home sick from school and I was watching a Champions League game. And that's when I saw, I was like, how, I saw Roberto Carlos and I just saw like players that were on this level that I didn't even think was possible. I was just like, who are these guys? It was like superhero, watching superheroes play, you know? And I had seen that in basketball and and saw in in baseball and things like that, but I had never seen it in soccer, the the sport that I played, you know, (laughs) majority of my youth. So that kind of like changed the game for me because it was just seeing things on a different level hearing the atmosphere at every stadium and then i would watch like highlight games or highlight shows on like fox sports uh, fox soccer channel at the time um fox sports west <laughs> if you guys remember that but they would have like highlight shows of the epl and watch like guys like janola and uh, beckham and skulls and all these guys and they were just incredible but i attached myself to real madrid i again i was like home from school and i watched the real madrid uh, barcelona game it was uh and this is like Galacticos? It was um, right before the, Bla- the Galactico era, but it was like Fernando Hierro, Raul, Roberto Carlos, uh, Guti, who was like one Guti. of my favorite players. Moriente. Moriente is that era. Mm-hmm. And then in and then uh, Barcelona, it was actually one of the most successful eras, but, and then Barcelona was like Rivaldo, peak Rivaldo, um, just incredible, incredible European players. And it was watching like the highest level going at it. And it was just, I, I was obsessed, but still I couldn't, Watch, watch games regularly. So as I got older, the internet came about, and then I, you know, I just watched everything I, I could at any second, any whatever it was, watching highlights nonstop, going back in time, watching highlights. I, like I said, I love Rebecca Cullis, so watch all his highlights, mm-hmm. watch old games. Um, and then really, like, I went through high school, stopped playing in high school, <clears throat> graduated and kind of just went into, like, I was working for, like, an insurance company, did really, like, boring, mundane work for a long time. And then I was uh, working with my dad, actually, and my buddy Curtis, who used to run Dunk, Ex- Dunk Exchange, who we were talking about before, big, big uh, basketball guy, sneaker guy, and I was getting into, like, streetwear and stuff like that at the time also. Uh, we played pickup a couple times, and he was starting this media outlet called Kicks to the Pitch, media outlet agency, um, and he asked me if I wanted to, I had experience in writing, I'd internet other music magazines and done stuff like that, so I had, I had some writing, uh, like, background and uh, done some on-camera work and stuff like that, interviewing bands and stuff like that. So I had some sort of, like, something to stand on. And then Curtis was like, yeah, if you want to join the team. And then 
Curtis is the type of guy who has zero fear and doesn't care who you are. He'll talk to you and say whatever. Zero fear. So with him, he showed me, like, what we could do. And essentially, like, I started their podcast, so ran their podcast for maybe, like, almost two years. Um, I became the editor-in-chief, so we would do everything from write articles to create documentaries. Um, we would get uh, flown all over the world to create documentaries with uh, with Hummel, with Nike, with Puma, with Adidas. Uh, worked with Real Madrid, worked with Man City, worked with Man United, worked with some, like, the biggest of the big, right? That's dope. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a little who's who there. <laughs> <laughs> so... With that, I learned everything that there was kind of like, it was more of an internship really in that because I wasn't really getting paid. I still had a job as a bartender. So I was bartending throughout that entire uh, period. Oh, now we can talk about it. We'll say some of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the soccer stuff, I, I took the opportunity and just took time off whenever I could and went and did it. And it was it was everything because to me it was like, it was an internship, but then I'm sitting there like, talking to Gareth Bale and be like, hey, dude, you got to come over here. And, we're gonna, and I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Or like I'm, one of my first things was interviewing Morientes. It's funny you mentioned that. Oh, nice. Uh, we went to a Champions League uh, event with Heineken and they're, they're like, Andrew, do you want to do an interview real quick? I'm like, yeah. They're like, do you know Fernando Morientes? And I was like, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> they're like, Can, do you speak Spanish? I was like, yeah, but uh, all right. And yeah. then they just put, and then Michel Salgado who's another Real Madrid legend. That's they're right. like, oh, yeah. you got to interview them. And I was just like, when they're like right now go and then you have to go talk to them and that type of stuff you know at the time i was obviously terrified but uh yeah so learning you get this you you learn and you know kind of grow from there and that's what guided me to lafc were you always a real madrid supporter throughout your life or? always always yeah. yeah i didn't any other clubs national teams anything like that? national team support? u.s men's national team um I, are you I'm, going on saturday uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're talking about the, the women's national team, or are you talking about the men's? Oh, I'm sorry, team no, no. Is next week on the men's eight. national team play Costa Rica. Costa Rica, Costa yeah, Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thinking about it. On Saturday, I, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with Fern them right now. Yeah. Yeah. System. You should hit up Fern and, and Mauricio. And I, think, I, think I, go. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go. Just have a good time. Just have a good time. Try to have a good time. But um, well, I have a trunk full of USA gear that I'm about to uh, <laughs> yeah, run yeah. down to them tomorrow to take down to the the tailgate. Awesome. So Is I'm it sure bar seventy six here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, it's um, it's uh, it's USA uh, barware um, that I'm donating to Barra Seventy Six that oh. they're gonna uh, use and sell off at the tailgate in order to raise some money for the next round of merches. Uh, you know, so the, behind the curtain there with B Seventy Six, but being the LAFC man that you are, you should you should get in with B Seventy Six. Definitely, because I'm, friends a, a good friend. So yeah, I would I would li- I would like to. It's just. Uh, the national team has been rough for the past <laughs> a few years, but Oof, luckily yes, uh, LAFC well, is a thing, so it's, it's pretty awesome. And Madrid is flying high right now, so I'm super happy yep. about that, of course. yeah, I, That's my team from back in the day. Well, I, I have them in United, but it's for because of two left-footers, Giggs and, yeah, yeah. and Roberto Carlos. So Yeah, I mean, Roberto has yeah, done yeah. things that you shouldn't even be allowed, yeah. like, phys- like physics, right? Like, I'm left-footed, yeah. I'm oh, left-footed. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. yeah, that's why I wear number six. Too. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I didn't know. I didn't know we had that in common. Yeah. That. Yeah, I'm right-handed, left-footed. It's weird. but That yeah. is weird. I'm terrible with my Same. foot. So how does LAFC come into the world for you, into the picture? I mean, because obviously we know that you were an LAFC fan and supporter prior so, to landing the gig. You know, I always talk about this, and, like, us living in L.A., there was always there's always kind of this weird thing, and I get very like <laughs> maybe like too much with it, and I get aggressive with people because 
Um, I've worked with and I've dealt with a lot of transplants in my life, and I'm a very proud Angelina, like unapologetic. Yeah. I don't hold back. Everyone you know? here is born and bred here. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't want to hurt yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, Jonathan was... He's from SoCal. Okay. Yes. So, like... Ish. Yeah. But I was just, you know, I, he's the diehard L.A. fan. But okay. I was just yeah. Didn't grow up in the mean my, streets of L.A. <laughs> uh, my parents yeah, were from I, Southern I California. I moved back to Southern California when I was three. Um, but I've spent half my life in Southern California, half my life in Northern California. I think I'm the oh, only wow. person that honestly believes, like, in one California. Like, everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> SoCal. Yeah. And I'm like, can't we, can't we just rep the West Sizzy and be Cali? Yeah, <laughs> no, I think you're right like, in that statement, though. From, from Eureka to San Jacinto, <laughs> can't, we just, can't we just be cool? Um, <laughs> sorry if that Chula offends Vista? people. <laughs> no, my girl's from, uh, she's from Sonoma, so we get into all these funny little, like, weird arguments all the time. But I love, like, NorCal. NorCal's awesome. You asked how I got into, like, LAFC became a thing or a part of my life. Pretty simply, me being a fan of European soccer first, um, I saw what real, not only like, obviously the level of play was crazy high. I loved that, but I think more than anything was the atmosphere. There wasn't like, you wouldn't watch a game. I'm not, I don't mean to like hurt baseball or anything or like talk bad about baseball, but there's games that sometimes you're watching and you don't hear anything. You know, it's just kind of quiet. And you hear the pitcher and you hear the sound of the glove in a stadium full of people, which is, that's a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. At soccer matches, that's never the case in Europe. Even as bad as the atmosphere can be at certain places, it's, there's, there's a, you're kind of part of the theater. And I was in love with that. When we would play FIFA, you would hear the chants. Well, it's funny, you know, I mean, if you go watch a baseball game in Japan, it's a very European soccer-like atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Korea, too. Korea's like that. Or the Caribbean, too. it's just an American thing, right? Yeah, and and there's there's even, like, it's funny because I'm a big MMA guy. When the Japanese watch MMA, they're silent. And they watch it like like, like theater. Proper theater, you know. So it's it's interesting that you say that, but there's a weird dynamic I think when watching certain things. So I associated that passion, I associated that sort of vibe with soccer, and I wanted that really badly. So when uh, you know the Galaxy came about, we went to the Rose Bowl. We had a great time tailgating with all my friends and family. The atmosphere was cool for a little bit. Um, the team, it was fun. We never had that, you know what I mean. So it was fun to have that for a little bit. Um, it got stale very quickly. Um, and then, you know, as I got maybe like 13, 14, I was like, this is, nah, this is really not it. Um, kind of boring. And then when they moved to, uh, the Home Depot Center at the time, I just, I didn't associate with it. It just didn't feel a part of what I, the reason I liked the game, it just didn't, that, the, when I went to those matches, I didn't feel that. I felt nothing. And at that point I had made a couple trips to Europe by that point and I went to Madrid and I was like, Oh man, the way even the lighting was, it was different. It was a different lighting. It was a different, there was, there was a, a energy, the acoustics, everything. The energy, everything. Yeah. It was just incredible, mm-hmm. incredible vibe. Um, and then as I got older, I got to travel a lot more. I went to, I was able to go to Marseille and Paris and all these places. And I was just like, whoa, you know, these are intense ultras. Marseille is, <laughs> that's, uh, I'll never forget that place. But I, I just wanted that at home. I wanted that at home. So the Galaxy, I never identified with it. And there was one match in particular where my cousin, I have a cousin who's from uh, Tijuana. He's from Playas. So he's a big Cholos fan. Mm-hmm. And the Galaxy was playing them in a some sort of like Champions League match. I, I think it was a Champions League match. I'm not 100% sure. 
but he's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna come down to LA. Let's sit by the Galaxy supporters. And I was like, all right. Like, and I hadn't <laughs> been to a Galaxy game. I hadn't been to a Galaxy game in like I don't know, three years maybe, four years. We would go here and there, you know. And we went and we sat by close to uh, one of their supporters groups, and um, they like I think maybe one third of the stadium was sold out. And I would say like of the one third. The majority was Cholos fans. It was. <laughs> that wasn't too long ago. Yeah, it wasn't. It was maybe like yeah. uh, six, seven years, six years ago mm-hmm. maybe. And the Cholos fans broke into the top tier of the stadium right over the Galaxy supporters, and they were making the 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 grand. It was bending. Like, the stands were bending. And there was poor, poor, like, one security guard trying to hold these guys back. And they had never understood that level of, like, craziness because they're dealing with, like, eh, like this... Mm. It sounds familiar, Jonathan. This like really. Jonathan was part of a bending of a of a, those stands last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So when we had the away game last season, oh, okay, okay. Um, they took all of us away from our seats where we had bought seats, which were nice seats, um, and they took us all behind their supporters because they thought you know their supporters would drown us out. <laughs> um, yeah, and they put us all in that section cute. above them, <laughs> and so we were like, okay, well, I guess. This, I mean, they put a bunch of LAFC fans together who had tickets throughout the stadium. They said it was for our safety. Great. Sure. Um, so they put us all there, and and the benches all collapsed underneath us because it couldn't handle the number of people that they put in there. We were like, you know, a row that holds 12 people, and we had like 25 people that yeah. pushed into this section, and they wouldn't really let us spread out. So And you were chanting and jumping. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. 3252. That's what we do, uh, right? I'm I mean, not going to go sit down yeah, over there. Yeah, what exactly. are you thinking, man? Like, Watch an <laughs> LAFC game and, like, have some popcorn. You yeah. know, like, that's not, it's just funny. This works to me. It's funny that this happened like six years ago, and they didn't learn from well, it. Well, I saw them li- literally. The capo was like, "They're pretty loud." He said that, and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you doing?" You know, I was just like, "This is not at all what I identify with." You're not. A, you should not be allowed to come into my house and do this, ever, ever, ever. And I don't mean like in a violent, like tough guy way. I mean like, this is. Yeah. embarrassing like it was very I felt I felt ashamed I felt embarrassed and I was just like I don't identify with this in any way shape or form this is not like I'm a proud Angelino I'm very very adamant about this. I love this sport you know and I just don't agree with this you're echoing a lot of my sentiments yeah, yeah so that was the big thing where it was just like I'll never be a part of this and this is years before LASC was announced um, wasn't it wasn't it, didn't identify with the Chivas USA thing either I thought that was that was never a good idea never a part of that never liked it um, so the LAFC thing, once it started to kind of gain momentum and I saw what was happening, I was like, all right, I don't want to believe in it yet, but let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Went to the ribbon cutting, saw who was involved. I'm like, okay, they got some real people involved. They got the stadium done very quickly. The stadium is insane. Um, it was just nuts. And then of course the people that were getting involved with the club, Ben Chi, who's worked with me at Kicks of the Pitch prior to that, uh, prior to him working at LAFC, him and I hang out, have you know, drinks and party. I've been to Korea with him to help with his uh, FC Dorsum stuff. And like, so him and I have a really good bond. We've traveled uh, to London together. We've been all over together. So um, him working with LAFC was a big thing also because I was like, if someone like that is going to be involved, that's, I identify a lot, a lot of our sort of sentiment with the culture and with what we enjoy about the game is very similar. So I was like, okay. And then I met everyone at the club. I met Rich, I met Pat, I met, you know, met Tom Penn and all these guys. And I was like, how am I meeting these people? This this doesn't happen anywhere. You know what I mean? There's a huge divide in most places with the front office and with high-level executives and 
are from the fans and people that are, I mean, I'm, I'm no one to them at all. You know what I mean? But they didn't care. They came, they broke bread, they had a beer with me, they pulled me to the side. We talked about, we talked about games, and we traveled away to Portland last year. I, I went with the supporters, and Rich is there with us, yeah. hanging out. Well, we've all had experiences like that, which you know, is it's crazy to me that it's a common theme with whoever you talk to. Yeah, that's not normal. But he, and it's not like this forced weird thing. It's like natural, and it's it's awesome, and that's how I felt when I went the first time I went to Christmas Tree Lane. I met a lot. I saw a lot of people, like media friends, and it was really cool. My my family. Um, a lot of my cousins, uh, my uncles were there just ripping beers back, having a good time, enjoying themselves. It was so much fun, man. It was such a cool, beautiful vibe. Kids are playing. Everyone's cooking. There's a band. Everyone's chanting and dancing. And it's like, all right, this is this is it. This is what I wanted. And now this is before we even go to, to the first match. You it's know like I mean? a backyard barbecue, but the whole city's invited. The whole city, yes. You know? yes um, it's, exactly. It's such a familial environment. I love the whole vibe at Christmas Tree Lane for sure. Yeah, man. And like, you know, the... More like the big thing about LA that I always like to tell people and that they don't always understand is when you live when you don't live here, you just kind of know about like Hollywood and like that sort of that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And while LA definitely is that, it's there's a lot in between. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot in between. There's a lot of different cultures and food and all these things. So to me, LAFC is always that. I always tell the story of like bought a hot dog from the hot dog lady, went inside, took a picture with Magic Johnson. That will only happen in LA. <laughs> it will only happen in LA in the most beautiful way possible, and I embrace that. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No, you know what I mean. I think that's the beauty of LA. We get to intermingle. We get to mix with everything. You know what I mean. So uh, that's what I felt. And then the first match. I don't know if it could have been more perfect the way it happened and the drama and the explosion. And it was just incredible. It was so much fun. Uh, and I was like, all right, this is it. And they actually we had a good team. <laughs> we had a good team, yeah. multicultural team. They were fun to watch. Um, it was just, it was just. Uh, I was like, this is it. I, I, I hope we can, they can continue to do something. And all that happened, which was mind blowing, was it got better and better and better and better and better. And it, and collectively, even like outside of the league and doing partnerships with brands and doing uh, like cool clothing type stuff, doing cool collaborations and stuff yeah. that I love. Uh, you know, spotlighting cultures that don't always get love and. Really, like, bringing those people to the light um, has it just made me very proud and identified with the team through that also. And then, obviously, the supporters. When you see the supporters, you just – it's – I mean, to see the supporters like that at a preseason game, I you know, they had the flowers there for Jaime and they had his jersey there. And it was like they did not skip a beat. It was just like, let's go. And so – yeah, incredible. So that's kind of how I came to the club. That's how I started to like the club. Thankfully, I was still working in media at the time, so I made sure I got a, my media pass. <laughs> I was at every game, pretty much every game I could go to. Have you sat in the 3252 for a minute? Yeah, I've sat uh, a few times, several times in the 3252. Obviously, when we went to Portland, I was in the with the supporters. Um, maybe, I'd say, like about five times in the, in the, north end. In the proper north end, mm -hmm. and then obviously traveling away to Portland. Uh, so I, I love a good beer shower. I'm like a big fan of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think it should just be mandatory that every single person in the entire LAFC world, you know, A, you got to learn new chance, but, you know, spend yeah. one match in the North End. Yeah. I, I just think, I think it's mandatory for anyone within the community. It's, it's, it's so crazy because there's, n I always tell people, I'm like, man, sometimes you don't get to, s you're in it. And like, I realize also like, you don't get to really see it until you watch like a video or something but it's certainly very unique 
watching the 3252 when you're like on the pitch or when you're in a different part of the stadium it's it's I don't know. There's nothing like it. There's nothing I've never like seen, it. I've never seen one second of an LAFC game from anybody. <laughs> yeah. so well, know. it's hard to describe if you haven't been in there. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a feeling and it's a different view. And then it's like a different camaraderie and brotherhood. Yeah, well, but you can see the appeal. I mean, everybody, anybody that comes to this game, I mean, I've, anyone that I've ever taken to a game, one of the first questions once they see the 3252 in, in all its glory, they look at me and they go, Have you ever sat up there? It's like, yeah, yeah, I've sat up there. They're like, oh, man, can you get us up there? And it's like, it's not, no, it's not that easy. Don't sit, yeah. I was like, you know, no, I I can't just get you in there. And I said, and and even if I could, I wouldn't because, you know, having people in there that that aren't doing that job, because that's a job. That's that's an unpaid job. It's work. That's a job. And if you're not going to do exactly that, no, I'm not not going to be someone that brings you in there. Bless you for that. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, you're right, man. It it really is. It's a workout. They do that. They do – it's not just – they don't just go to games either. Like, I hope everyone understands that. Like, there's a lot of community outreach involved. There's a lot of meetings involved, planning. It's incredible. Coordinating. It's no, it, treated it's, like a like a mini like government almost. It's it is. it's no, wild. It's a it's a job. It's a job. I mean there. Are, I mean because that's that's the fun part of the job, right? Yeah. But there are there is so much to go in, and and I'm not even the most versed in in everything that's about it because yeah. I you know I, I don't I don't go to any of these meetings. I don't yeah. go to. I mean I'm a member of the 3252 because I pay my dues, which. Mm-hmm. Everybody should pay their dues to be members of the 3252. But, uh, (laughs) you know, there is. There's so much that goes into it. And, you know, I mean, everything that the 3252 get in terms of consideration from the club is well deserved from the amount of effort that goes on behind the scenes. work, organization. They self-fundraise. All of it. They make the club look good from a supporter standpoint because that's – what they're proud of, you know. For every ninety minutes of Awante, there's nine hundred, maybe nine thousand minutes of planning that goes into exactly. It. Yeah, I mean, t- I mean, even things think like of a tifos. tifo. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say, think of a tifo. You know, shout out to three two five two. They won the tifo of the year, yep. by the way. Yeah. Yep. Well deserved for the Freddie Mercury tifo, but from the design to voting on the design to tweaking the design to painting it to fireproofing it to everything. I mean, there's well, and I remember last crazy year, amount of stuff. There was there was a time when when they needed a welder. To come in and like to set up so that they could oh, actually the like yeah. to like rig it, dude. It's like, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that just goes on that you're like you don't even think about. You just <laughs> see you just see the stand, you see the tifos go up, and you think, oh, okay, it's it's under control, and it's like, but it ain't. You know? <laughs> Countless it's, hours of scrubbing paint off your fingers and blisters on your <laughs> knees from crawling around with a paintbrush. I mean, a lot of that goes unnoticed by. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, you know, the 1848, as as we refer to them. Right? Um, <laughs> 1848. That's the, the rest. The rest of <laughs> oh. um, right. Well, so you can't call it 1848 because it sounds like 1,848. Right. But it's 18,048. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously this is L.A. Everything gets abbreviated, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, so no you're a passionate fan. You yeah. love the experience. Yeah. You have friends within the front office. Yeah. How does that become... The job. Uh, so well, I'll tell you. Yeah. Andrew walks into his interview and he goes, "Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> hey, here's your job. How your mama been?" Right? I would love, I would love to say that's how it happened, but no, it didn't happen that. I mean, there was a job posting, and then someone asked me to. They're like, "Hey, you should apply," and I was like, "I, I want to. Um, I need to make sure financially things work out with my life at the moment." And that's obviously living in LA is always a thing that's that's in your mind. So I wanted to make sure that 
was a possibility and everything it, it worked out first and foremost uh, before I, I even stepped in and interviewed but uh, when I interviewed it was I wasn't really aware of how many people or what I, I found out later that it was quite a few um, but my interview didn't feel like I wasn't really nervous or scared or worried or like this is my resume or this is I know what I've done and like I like for me to talk about soccer and talk about Los Angeles talk about LAFC talk about you know working with brands and all these things it, it's not a it's not something I need to like put out there it's just if people ask me about it then I, I can say it you know um, so that was it was more of like a conversation and my thoughts and ideas and stuff like that that I had and I think more of like a feeling out process and you know, especially because I was going to have to deal with the supporters is like understanding that culture and me having experience and seeing the way I would I would be obsessed with uh, soccer cultures. I would watch football factories on YouTube years ago, yep. you know, with uh, Danny Dwyer. And I learned about like Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. I learned about Ajax and like I learned about all these things. I, I did that way before, you know, anyone. This was even a thing. It was just I was nerdy about it. I was crazy about soccer. Yep. And um, I didn't care that it wasn't cool. I, it was my thing. So exactly, it was uh, very easy for me to, to talk. I felt very comfortable, and I just felt like I want. This is a job that was tailor made for me. It was like literally like what something that I could do, not only to, like wake up and like go do, but like I live it, breathe it the whole night. And it wasn't a. It wasn't even. Didn't feel like an interview. You know, it was conversations with people that I had, and even. I had conversations with people that weren't necessarily on the soccer side of things because we have to deal with partnerships and there's a lot of needs that these partners have and you have to be aware and you have to understand that. Uh, so even understanding that side of things with working with Kicks of the Pitch and putting on events with Real Madrid and they have 17 people from Adidas and from uh, the handlers of Gareth Bale who work with a different company and they can't be seen in this. And you, most people don't know that that works, how that works. And I had that experience. So that stuff was, was good to have for sure. But I think more than anything, what I got from my interview process and, and the people I spoke with was that I needed to live it, breathe it, walk it. And I do that not because I try to or because I'm forced to. It just is. That's just part of who I am. So I think that's why I, I would say why I got the job. And obviously the experience and working with all that other stuff, I think, kind of helped out. So... So what have the first few weeks, because you're only about, about three weeks now into uh, actual work. Yeah, this will be like my fourth week. Um, so describe the experience so far. <laughs> it's it's surreal, man. It's it's surreal. Uh, we, I get to get creative and, and, and like dealing with people that I enjoy working with, but people that are very, you know, likewise, they're creative and very just really good at what they do. And one thing that's, I will say, that is wild and crazy to me is that it's, I don't know if I've ever seen any place I've worked ever or worked with ever that is so streamlined in terms of, like, the mentality of the people. Like, everyone knows that this is special. From everyone that works in, like, backstage, front office, like, front office, FO, everyone from, like, ticketing side of things to... To the partnerships, they are dialed in and they have the same sort of like ethos and mentality that the supporters have and that the players have. It it's, seems almost like it's like half Disneyland and half a church, right? It's, Where like it's, everyone is bought <laughs> in on such a different level to putting forth this production, right? It, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, I think, that's, that's, I think that's actually excellent. <laughs> that's, it, 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 that's a great description. And I would say that like it's 
just so cool to like work with people that care tremendously about this from I mean everyone does it's not like everyone's wearing the gear everyone's talking about the games everyone reads everything on Twitter everyone, <laughs> everyone knows everything that's going on we care everyone Hopefully cares. listens to yeah, every podcast everybody listens to the shows? everyone listens to the shows they're constantly talked about and mentioned absolutely yeah. absolutely and we know that yeah. <laughs> so well it's, we, I think we had an idea that there was no, definitely no. people that listened to it but to know that everybody listens to the show so it's shout out to everyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love you all please <laughs> yeah, so, interact with us more we love so that you know that side meeting everyone has been incredible and then the stuff we get to work on we're, like I said we're working on kit launch and that stuff is crazy with the Benural thing I had to deal with supporters and working with the way support and how we facilitate that we're, in, we're talking with other teams about how we're going to travel and what they like and what they don't like about us and you have to oh. sit there and kind of laugh sometimes but there's it's it's a it's kind of like a very versatile there's a lot going on type of job it isn't like i go sit down and type away it's like we get creative we throw ideas around constantly a lot of meetings a lot of talking about how we can take this to the next level no one has the mentality of like oh we did a good job you know that's what happened with the other guys and look where they're at you know mm-hmm. yeah that's being straight complacent up, like content. that's what happened mm-hmm. and the mentality from front to back at everyone at that place is just. There's a reason LAFC is where they are. I mean, even if the team wasn't good, the the brand LAFC and the team as a as an entity would be incredible. But we have an amazing team. We have an amazing coach. Our academy is in place. Like it's crazy, man. It's it's wild. It's really lightning in a bottle. Like it, it's it's. And I don't I don't just say that. I mean, it's very very rare what's happening. You know. I think a lot of foundational work was planned, and then subsequently executed right yeah. so and then they they've identified the right people for all the roles that need to fulfill these things to have the right output so and it and it and it reverberates into the fans too and the supporters because we they, you guys listen to them yeah so you know they're giving everything they got back you know and that's one of my favorite things also yeah. the one of the big parts of my role is dealing with supporters our supporters specifically so um Already in a lot of communication with them. We're in WhatsApp groups and stuff. My phone does not stop going yeah. off, obviously. Yeah. We um, don't stop thinking about it. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. No one stops. No one shuts off. Um, and even going to the council meetings, obviously I can't talk about what goes on there, but the process of creating and taking this to the next level, is it's nonstop. And these guys do this 100% from their passion. And the fact that they are able to have that streamlined communication with our front office and our front office cares immensely about them it's everything you see it it's it's not even a question it's not disingenuous it's not weird it's not we listen to them properly listen to them they're important to me i I said this when i had like they kind of asked me like you know why lafc and i was like well one of the things i think about is like when you think of real madrid you think of like maybe zidane or cristiano ronaldo you know barcelona you think of like xavi iniesta when i think of lafc i think of our supporters and I think of the ambiance and I think of what happens there. I love our team. Our, you know, our players are great, but I think of what I feel when I'm there. Mm-hmm. And everyone understands that. So that's kind of the mentality I take with that. And when we hear their, their, their when we hear them out, you know, that's what any human being wants, really. And to be able to implement their ideas and put them on, on display and, and make sure that they're listened to, that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. So speaking of ideas, what are some of the visions that you would like to see in your role going forward throughout 2020 and beyond? Um, I mean, really, it's it's becoming – I alluded to it earlier, but to me, it's is LAFC becoming a, a global 
and the 3252 becoming, when you think of Dortmund, you think of, wow, right? Um, I want that from us. And they want that, you know? And so how do we get that? There's a lot going, going into that. Of course, a lot of conversations and creative stuff that's going on. But it's doing it the right way. And I think now in year three, it's, it's, it's almost like a bit of a like hidden blessing or a, what's, I don't know what the term is, but a blessing in disguise that we didn't, we didn't win last year, I think. Because I think we're very, very hungry from front to back to get to that point. And like I said, when I, th- when I want people to think of, when they think of American soccer, period, when they think of MLS, they just, oh, LAFC. When I think of Argentina, Boca River, right? Mm-hmm. When they think of America or when they think of MLS, I want them to think of us. I want them to think of our fans. One of the beautiful things that happened that you guys aren't aware of, but with the Benyarol fans, there was people from Uruguay texting me directly. So I don't know how they got my number. <laughs> but they were texting me from Uruguay asking me if I could send them uh, videos. Um, about five, six people. They were hitting me up because... They're like, what is going on? What's happening? And then afterwards, we're getting thank yous because, you know, they had all these videos from their fans, of course. They had pictures and stuff like that. And they loved that they're, they were being represented uh, in L.A. somewhere. They, they never even really thought about getting uh, exposure. But they're like, how do we get jerseys, LAFC jerseys? And then they talked about helping us, like joining us when we go to inter- – let's say we're going to Miami. They want to join us under L.A. colors and go to an Inter-Miami game. Or when we go to Minnesota – same thing. These are the types of bonds we're building on a grassroots real level. We're meeting these people. We're having conversations. I had I, – I didn't have work on Friday. I didn't, wasn't on the clock. I, I went on my own accord, took them, and did a stadium tour because I loved it. It was awesome. And those are the types of things that we're going to take this to. It's a very small little thing, but it's very impactful, and it means a lot to people. So – those, those are the types of things. Obviously, we can't get too in, uh, into detail about things that we have planned, of course, but taking, taking it to a global level, we are a, I mean, we are the American team, period. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, you never know if MLS will take over, you know, football or basketball. But, uh, you Just know, give I, us time. I, right. But I also think that it will be one of those things that because this is a global sport and, you know, this is the world's game, that it might. At some point, something might happen to where when it, it may not be, you know, uh, the most popular sport in America. But when people think of America, like you're saying, it might. They, LAFC will hopefully be. One of the one of the things that they associate with, and I think so much of that is experiential, right? Um, when you come to Bank of California Stadium and you watch an LAFC game, you don't just watch a game; you experience so much more than that, yeah. right? And the more people who see that, the more people who realize how unique that is within the American sporting landscape. I mean, you just don't get a thirty-two fifty-two experience anywhere else in California. No. No. You don't. Yeah. Uh, there's not a, another football team. There's not another NFL team. There's not no. another basketball team. I mean, you know, Pantone 294, whatever you want to say for any of the other, you know, soccer football teams in California, there's nothing like what we have. No, and it's it's a show within a show. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the more that grows and, and our culture creates counterculture and drives other things forward, the more that is allowed to, to rise the tide. I think, you know, football, MLS in the United States certainly – you know, has the ability to to expand, and I think we're going to be a real catalyst and a driving force behind that, and and have been already. But 
before we soapbox a little too much here, um, we do have one last question for mm -hmm. you. Um, it's the name of the show. It's the most important question we ask, um, and we'd like to know, Drew, what does shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder mean to you? Um, I think it's it was exemplified very recently when we were talking about um, Jaime, right? Um, I didn't know him personally. I think a lot of people maybe didn't know him personally, but you certainly heard his drums. Uh, maybe you know, you're aware of the Cuervos and who they are. I know, I know Gil and I know um, Christian. They're awesome guys. Um, so, whenever I say the Jaime thing, because it was pretty incredible how quickly people that didn't know him personally but were aware of him through LAFC and through the three two five two, where it came to help out. I mean, they helped out so amazing. I don't know if you guys were aware. They raised an incredible amount of money for his funeral. I mean, it Very was quickly, yeah. beautiful, you know. And shoulder to shoulder, obviously, like, there's a literal thing, but then there's stuff like that that I think, again, isn't, isn't for – isn't a, something that everyone sees. It isn't a, a chant. It isn't a song. It isn't – it's just, like, the reality of life. And someone that you identify with in some way and you help them – just because you share that bond, you know, because of the team and because of your passion for soccer. So, I mean, pretty simply, that was exemplified with the Hyman situation. And there's been countless others, you know, there's people get injured or people get hurt and can't go to work or car accidents or whatever, and people come to their aid within minutes. All it takes is like a little Twitter post and then it's like wildfire, mm -hmm. right? You guys know that. Mm -hmm. So to Personally, me, yeah, absolutely. yeah, so to me, that's, that's what it is. It's, 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 it's not only like saying that, it, is that you have to live it so and people do so and we've lived it since since season one certainly i can, I can speak yeah. to that um this is the force amen this community's ability to galvanize and come together for one another is is truly one of the most beautiful things about this club so yeah thank Could, you so much for coming out more, huh? yeah thank um, you spending some time with us talking the beautiful game um on behalf of wilton chris christian myself um we really sincerely appreciate you coming out tonight. So thank you. Um, once again, for those of you who want to follow on social media, you can follow Drew at Drew, D-R-E-W, underscore near post. Please give us a follow as well at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. You can find our website under the same name and reach out to us if you'd like to come on the show and you have a story to tell and you'd like to come here and sit with us. We'd love to have you on from uh, the newest of supporter to the most diehard to the front office to to anyone involved in the community as a whole. Uh, there's always a place for you in Shoulder to Shoulder Studio. With that, gentlemen, thank you. Take us home, Sticks. Shoulder to shoulder, together this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay fly in the FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bitch.